Welcome to the Dog Show with Julie Forbes. You're listening to Alternative Talk AM 1150. A nice, uh, nice, decent day here in Seattle. Hey, tomorrow's spring, right? Someone said that. Tomorrow's <laughs> yes, spring. indeed. Tomorrow <laughs> is spring. Woohoo! Yes. You are right on the money. Well, nice. Well, and, it's blue skies. Even getting a little sun break here, mm-hmm. so a little sneak preview of spring. So yeah, definitely. Couldn't be happier. We are planning to take our dogs for a walk. We're doing a family walk. Uh, oftentimes we break up the dog walking between the two of us because we have four. And it definitely is not... Uh, not the easiest thing to take all four of them, especially if they have to be on leash, which they do in anywhere in Seattle. So, um, that's a whole sidewalk. You're taking up a whole sidewalk. Oh, yeah. No one's yeah. coming, <laughs> yeah. getting past. But if we without both going into the street, if yeah. you're doing all four at once, totally. So, but if we both go, then we can each have two, and we can, you know, have our little family family walk together, and that's going to be nice this afternoon. What a nice day to take your dog for a walk if you haven't already. If you have already, maybe go for a second one. Take all four. Get nuts. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So have a um, fun show today. Uh, Lots of different things. Just going to kind of be all over the board. I'm talking with a guest um, in the starting in the third segment. Uh, So halfway through the show, I'll be talking with Chris Lorkowski, who's the uh, he's an inventor of sorts, and he's invented a bin, a toy bin that he claims will train your dog to put their toys away uh, because Mm. it dispenses treats when your dog deposits a toy into the bin. That sounds like a great idea. A lot lot of dogs have a lot of toys these days. Yeah. And I have some questions for him about how that works and um, if he's seen dogs sort of take advantage of the bin and just (laughs) knows it to just, you know, empty out the treats and stuff. But when... um, now, Eric, you have a kind of a funny story about toys because... Well, you were telling me about this bin that supposedly trains the dog to put their toys away in the bin by dispersing a little treat. Yeah. And you said, I wish I had one of those for my cats. I do because my cats have a lot of toys. My mom, every Christmas, buys like a cat load of toys for them yeah. and uh and and they like them for you know a few minutes but then they just typically stay kind of in a pile making clutter and uh, you know they really don't play with them but uh my uh, boy Fergal he has uh taken a real shine to a chunk of memory foam mm-hmm. now Abby the beagle our dog had chewed up her bed for some reason um, and it was full of memory foam chunks, so that got all over the house. Mm-hmm. And the the cat just loves that. He won't play with his toys that people have spent money on and spent time creating, sure. and little mouse and all this stuff, you know, nope. trying to attract cats. But the memory foam, he's bouncing off the walls. He's he's created cat soccer basically yeah with memory foam so i thought well maybe i should just start selling bags of the memory foam chunks and and sell them as cat toys and you know maybe yeah. then i could at least there you go make up for the cost of the dog bed a so. dollar per chunk there you go yes. or a dollar bag of special memory foam chunks. special cat toy now are you sure that it was the dog that destroyed the bed oh yeah yeah <laughs> it was definitely the dog. Yeah. yeah, isn't that funny though? People say that. I've heard people say that about cats, where they're like, "Yeah, I mean, they've got maybe some toys that they like, but 
you know, you crumple up a piece of paper and the cats are right. like, woohoo. <laughs> Simple to please, I yeah. guess. Well, that's funny. Yeah, make make that money back from the bed that your beetle destroyed. <laughs> that's right. The- now, does she typically destroy beds? Uh, you know, this is the first one that I'm aware of her hmm. ever trashing. Hmm. So, yeah, I think she just didn't like being in the kennel uh, for that period of time. And hmm. so she... She let you know. Yeah. <laughs> or she found an activity to do while yeah. she was in there, basically. So. Well, your cat, Fergal, is thrilled that she did. So. He, he couldn't be more excited yeah. about finding these foam pieces for the kitty soccer. <laughs> and yeah. I, I'm just thinking, if you have cats out there and they're bored by their toys, maybe if you can find a chunk of memory foam, <laughs> yeah. they might have as much fun as Fergal. There you go. There's that, And that's cats for you, really. They're funny. Um well, we have uh, there's a couple of events I want to announce. Uh, Natural Pet Pantry has a new store opening in Kirkland. It's in Houghton Plaza, which is um, where the PCC is. And uh, they're looking like they're going to open their doors on April 5th. And uh, that's again in Kirkland. And it's really going to be something um, new, uh, a new concept that really, to my knowledge, hasn't really been done in the area um, yet where they are going to, of course, have their wonderful line of products um, frozen, um, both raw and cooked formulas for dogs and cats. And they have a whole bunch of different uh, formulas and combinations that you can um, put together to really make a healthy, nutritious meal for your dog or cat. So they're going to have all of their products. They will sell. They are going to bring in some other products from other companies and other brands, mostly focusing on um, supplements and treats really with a health, a holistic health focus. And then also housing a lot of um, local experts in various fields of expertise, um, anywhere from a holistic veterinarian to, you know, massage therapist um, chiropractic energy work, all sorts of really great stuff, um, acupuncture, stuff like that. I'm going to be doing some talks there on a regular basis, um, speaking from my area of expertise, mostly related to training and behavior and, um, you know, lots of ways to kind of tie. And, you know, my approach is certainly a holistic one as well. I'm always talking to people about food, about flea medication. If they're, you know, using flea medication, if you've heard the show, Chemical flea meds can cause anxiety and agitated behavior, um, you know, kind of looking at all aspects of health in general, both, uh, both let's say, emotional, mental health and physical health. So it's just going to be this really, really powerful community resource for holistic health for your pet. And um, it's just such a great concept, and they're doing such a great job um, with this this company and with uh, with the store. So really excited for that to open. That's going to be April 5th. Um, I'm going to be talking with Randy on, uh, Randy, who's one of the owners of Natural Pet Pantry. She and her husband, Rolf, own the Natural Pet Pantry. And Randy will be on the show April 9th to talk more about the store. And we'll kind of get into more detail about that. Excited about that. I'm excited to do some talks. I'm excited for, um, you know, to get to interact with the community in that way. So stay tuned for that. Before that, uh, let's see, the weekend before that, A Help Project, which is the 
Animal Hospice End of Life and Palliative Care Project is having their fourth annual friendship celebration, which is their big annual fundraiser. This is their fourth annual, but this is their first one as a bona fide nonprofit organization. So AHELP is 501c3 now, and the fundraiser is going to be held at Northwest Cellars. Uh, it's going to be a wine tasting, and uh, we have a raffle, uh, lots of great items that are being raffled off that you can buy tickets for and try to win um, just today. Uh, if you've been a longtime listener, you probably remen- uh, remember Rainbow's End Cabins at Mount Rainier. It's these dog-friendly cabins at the base of Mount Rainier, like dog-friendly, big fenced-in backyard, totally secure, Dog beds on the ground with, you know, little bones on them when you walk in. Um, I mean, biscuits and um, lots of great hiking and lots of fun stuff to do outside. There's a hot tub in the backyard. I mean, we were there. Darcy and I have been there a few times with our dogs, and it's so fun. And it's just, you know, we have a, a larger pack than most. And to just be able to get out of town, go on vacation, bring everybody and they're just totally welcome, totally dog friendly. Um, one of the raffle items is going to be a weekend getaway to uh, Rainbow's End Cabins at Mount Rainier. And there's lots of other really great raffle items, too. So um, all the proceeds go to support a help project. There'll be a wine tasting going on. Um, the event, again, is Saturday, March 29th from 1 to 4 p.m. at Northwest Cellars. And you can find out more. Um, on A Help Project's website, ahelpproject.org, A H E L P project.org. And I'll post a link to that on our Facebook page as well. Um, Eric, do you remember? Uh, I think it was in our first year on the air. We've been on the air now for over five years. Mm-hmm. When my Nana called in. I do, yeah. That was great. That was definitely a highlight. <laughs> I think I actually, ha- like a couple years after that, I think you actually found the clip and like replayed that. Cause mm-hmm. she, my Nana called in and she's uh, my only living grandparent and um, she's 100% Italian. She's, you know, from Massachusetts, which is where I'm from. Very loud. She was very sweet. Yeah. Well, she turns 100 this weekend. Oh, happy birthday to Nana. That's wonderful. It's amazing. Uh, When she called in, I was so proud to say that she was my 95-year-old Nana. And she has made it to 100, and uh, her 100th birthday is this weekend, and I'm going to Florida tomorrow morning to celebrate her birthday. And I just wanted to uh, send a shout-out. 100 years, man. That's, That's awesome. That's something. And do send birthday wishes from all of us here at the station to her. That's wonderful. I will. And we'd love to have her call back in sometime. Yeah, I'll try to arrange that. She's so funny. Uh, I hope to play lots of cards with her. That's what we do. And she loves puzzles, too. And she does, like, thousand-piece puzzles still. That's how you stay sharp. I guess so. She pretty much lives— to challenge your mind. Yeah, she lives independently for the most part still. I mean, it's really incredible. Nana, my grandparents had a dachshund when I was little growing up. Her name was Sonia, and um, she was a black and tan dachshund, and um, she used to raid my Nana's garden and get into the green beans and eat the green beans off the vine. And, of course, being a dachshund, they're so low to the ground. So I just remember, I mean, this happened. It kind of turned into a joke, like, where's Sonia? 
and we'd look out the back and she'd, you know, yell her name and she'd <laughs> pop her little head up over the green beans and she'd get, get out of there, you know, and then we'd laugh. And um, and it's just kind of cute because I have a dachshund now and who does love green beans, although mm. I don't have a garden for her to raid. But My grandma also had a dachshund. Really? Yeah, his name was Frank. Oh, did he like green Aptly beans? Aptly named. I, yeah. You know, I don't know. <laughs> I never saw him eat green beans, but... Yeah. Uh, He's a cute little guy. Yeah, dachshunds are pretty food motivated in general, but um, that's interesting. Well, happy birthday, Nana. Can't wait to see you. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and got more to talk about in the next segment. You're listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Natural Pet Pantry is Seattle's original source for wholesome dog and cat meals, offering eight different proteins to accommodate your pet's dietary needs. Made locally using all U.S. sourced ingredients, their freshly ground stews, raw or cooked, can be purchased from their Burien shop, most independent pet supply stores, or delivered right to your home. Natural Pet Pantry will even work with your vet to custom blend a prescription diet for your pet's unique needs. Go to naturalpetpantry.com for more information. Natural Pet Pantry. It just makes sense. This is Martha Norwalk. Every Sunday morning, beginning at 9 a.m., thanks in part to the Northwest School of Animal Massage, we cover the world of animals. This week, March 16th, always entertaining Kevin McDonald and gifted medium and animal intuitive Kim Miller will host the show for me. They'll have open phone lines throughout the show. Kim can help you connect with your animal or human loved ones on this side or the other. She can also tell you why your animal friend does stuff and what to do to change unwanted behavior or illness. So give her a call on Martha Norwalk's Animal World Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to noon, right here on Alternative Talk, AM 1150. Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair discusses issues that are important to you, like good health and well-being, finding a new job and building your business, overcoming life's big challenges and making sense out of chaos, and living with passion and joy. Join us Mondays at noon Pacific for Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair. See conversationslive.net for show schedule and guest information. Hey Seattle, this is Julie Forbes. When I got engaged a couple of years ago, one of the first things my fiance said about our wedding was, we need a wedding planner. I thought to myself, what do we need a wedding planner for? We hired Jenny Harding and New Chapter Weddings, and I now know there is no way we could have done it without her. If you are planning a wedding or corporate event, do yourself a favor and hire New Chapter Wedding and Event Planning. They did an amazing job for us, and they will for you. Find them online at newchapterweddings.com. For the people, by the people. Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. Welcome back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. And you're listening to Alternative Talk, AM 1150. So... In this segment, wanted to talk a little bit about some of my training clients that I've got going on right now and something that I just got some clarification on, um, on a topic that's a very important one to dog training and behavior, which is the um, topic of corrections and the proper use of corrections. I did want to say, though, before I kind of get into that, um, I have I've had an interesting... One of the things that I love about my job, and I've been working with dogs in the capacity of training and behavior for about 13 years now, 
is that I continue to learn and um, continue to to get better and to sort of deepen my understanding for what I do. And the thing is, is every dog is different. Most important thing. Every dog is different, just like people. So when people ask me, oh, well, what kind of training do you do? It's like, well, I don't really do a kind of training. I'm familiar with many of the different techniques and philosophies, and I like to tailor the approach to the dog as an individual. So important. Can't emphasize that enough. So if you're looking for a trainer and you live maybe somewhere else in the country or something and you're looking to work with a dog trainer, that would be, I would say, one of the first things to screen for is that it's someone who really um, acknowledges that every dog is an individual. So, um, But I'm working with, I have a new challenge right now because I'm working, which I am loving, um, working with a woman... uh, elderly woman who's, I think, about 80, 86 years old, and she has early stages of Alzheimer's. And um, she's, f- for the most part, um, you know, very with it, so to speak, but um, does definitely have short-term memory challenges, especially, you know, during sessions like if normally what I do if if like for example if I'm just working with somebody on on basic training with their dog I'll say okay you know as I'm coaching somebody okay now say this to your dog and then you know or I'm going to do this and then say this to your dog and then if your dog does this then do that okay and then we do it well she can't follow direction like that because she just can't she can't remember things like that because of her Alzheimer's so um, she's also has a little bit of a physical uh, mobility impairment as well just a little bit so you know she can't get down on the floor and get down on her knees and you know work on certain things that I would normally have people do so I've been adjusting how we work with her dogs so that her dogs can still have as much of an experience as possible working for her and to have me sort of fill in where she's compromised. Um, and it's been really um, rewarding. I adore her, and I adore her dogs. Um, she has a pug and a whippet, a four-year-old whippet and a one-year-old pug. The whippet's name is Judy, which I just think is adorable. And uh, Sophie is the pug, and they're just really adorable, lovely dogs. And, and she's a really just a pleasure to work with. And it's been kind of interesting to be creative around, you know, basic training. So, um, you know, and I appreciate the the opportunity to, to just continue to learn and, and refine what I do. You know, I was thinking about one of the things that, one of the conversations that I have with my clients, pretty much every client that I work with, because when we're talking about the basics of working with your dog, we're talking about philosophy and basic techniques. My philosophy is very balanced between positive reinforcement and corrections. And this is an industry with no regulation and where there's lots of disagreement as to, you know, whether you should even use corrections at all. A lot of trainers tell you that you should never even tell your dog no. And I just can't fathom how that could possibly be the case because Dogs correct each other and nature provides consequences. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with a little correction and a little setting of boundaries. It's just that we really need to be clear about how they are properly used 
And what's happened is that the industry has sort of swung and overcompensated from the overly harsh methods that were widely popular, you know, back in the 80s and 90s even. So, um, you know, to kind of be sort of overly harsh, domineering, forceful. There was a whole lot of stuff about uh, alpha dogs and uh, being the leader of the pack in your in your house, right? Uh, well, yeah, and it's, you know, it's it's I'm so glad you said that because it's a perfect uh example of people just sort of saying what what they think is right without really a a clear understanding for what mm-hmm. it means. Because it's not like you have to be you have to be I mean, you want your dog to respect you. Mm-hmm. And that involves respecting your dog also. I mean, respect is a two-way street, period. I think, period, in relationships. Right. So, so yeah, I mean, if I want to establish with my dog that I want them or with someone else's dog that I'm working with, like, hey, when I ask you to do this or that, I need you to do it. But to have the dog be the one to make the choice and not to be to get what you want by using force. Mm-hmm. And that's the distinction around corrections is that, um, and I just kind of like, you know how sometimes you get something or you get to you find the words to something that you've known for years and it just something a little clarification comes into mind so this is what i got around corrections just this week is that for me and how i work with dogs i don't use a correction so a um any sort of physical anything uh, you know a, a tug with a leash or Squirt with a squirt bottle or, um, you know, anything that's sort of corrective to a dog or, or, or something that could be considered to be a consequence. I don't use that in order to get the dog to do something that they aren't doing. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, lay down. Once the dog, assuming that you've taken the time to teach the dog what down means... Lay down. And then it's up to the dog. You know what this means. So you're going to either choose to do it or not. And some trainers will argue that you shouldn't, that the dog shouldn't even have, you know, I don't want the dog thinking and making choices. I just want them doing it. It's like, well, no, that's not my philosophy. So I'd like them to have the thought process and actually choose to do what I'm asking. So there's a certain way that I get that without using force because I want the dog to be the one making the choice and doing what I'm asking them to do under their own power. And mostly that's just by not going away. Like you can choose to not do it, but I'm just going to ask, you know, tell you no, just tell you no. I'm not going to do anything, but just tell you no to acknowledge that you didn't make the right choice and then ask you again verbally to do what I ask you to do and then just basically stay in it until they choose to do it. Again, you have to make sure that you've done the groundwork and that the dog understands what it is the down means in the first place. Super important. But so not using corrections to get the dog to do something that they might not be doing for you. Corrections, and this is the way that dogs use corrections with each other, is that you, you I and I use them to have a dog stop doing something that they shouldn't be doing, so to interrupt a behavior. And there are so many different types of corrections, and every dog is different. A correction could be something as simple as just stepping into the dog, not kneeing the dog, 
But it can be something as subtle as leaning into them, even if you're practicing weight at the door or something like that. Um, it could be like a poke in the shoulder. Uh, it could be a squirt with a squirt bottle. You know, there's all these different types of corrections. I prefer to just use what I have with my body than have to use some sort of tool or leash or collar or whatever. But there's tons of different types. And I'd say corrections, the area of corrections is really where dogs differ the most among each other. So every dog is different. Every dog has different sensitivity level. And there's emotional sensitivity and physical sensitivity, two different things. But that's the distinction. So I'm not going to use a physical correction. I asked you to lay down and you chose not to do it. So bam, there's a physical correction. Do it. That to me is bullying or, you know, kind of using physical force. And I don't know, I just don't find it to be necessary to get a dog to work and especially to not have, you know, they don't really enjoy the work as much that way too. But yeah, if I've got a dog that's jumped up and grabbed a hold of my jacket and ripped the sleeve of the jacket, they're going to get corrected for doing that because the whole purpose of a correction, two things, negate a behavior. So I'm communicating, don't do that. And so importantly, engages their brain and makes them think think about what it is that they just did, engages the brain and makes them think. The thought process, it is all about the thought process and getting them thinking. And you just, with certain situations or if a dog gets excited, the only way to get them to stop and think about what they're doing is for there to be a consequence for doing it. In some situations, with some dogs... The only way to get that is just by having there be some sort of consequence. And it's not some huge thing. It's just something that will make them think. And what that will be depends on the dog as an individual. So it was just a real clarity for me. Corrections, I'll, I'll, those are used as a communication of, no, don't do that. Don't uh, grab my sock and run out of the room or don't jump on me and you know, claw me up or bite up my sleeves or, you know, those kinds of behaviors where you need to set a boundary. But I'm not going to generally use a correction to get a dog to do something for me. So, um, you know, it's it's tricky. It's like, it's not complicated stuff, but it's, I don't know, there's something about, you know, people like reading something and like makes perfect sense. Oh, yeah, yeah, that makes perfect sense. And then they go and they try to work with their dog and it's like, uh, well, well, my dog just did this. Now what do I do? And it's just really something that takes just practice. And that's so important. And that's one of the reasons why a lot of these certification programs for people who want to be trainers, who just require them to basically study and take a test, um, or maybe even just observe, take a test and observe a trainer and stuff. I mean, you, it is something that you, there, you learn by doing. I've no, like, pretty much across the board with my clients. I can explain away all day long and they'll be like, oh yeah, totally makes sense. But they're not going to really learn and get comfortable with how to work their dog unless they actually work their dog in practice. So I don't know. It's a very interesting field and I'm working on a new website that will hopefully be ready in a couple months where um, a lot of my training and behavior expertise will be available um, either free or at a very low cost to anyone, wherever they are, because it'll be online. So I'm excited about that. 
Um, so anyway, those are my thoughts about corrections. And uh, we're going to come back and talk with Chris Lorkowski, who's the inventor of Tidy Dog Toy Bin, uh, his new invention. And uh, we'll be back in just a few minutes. You're listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. This is Julie Forbes, dog training, behavior, and nutrition specialist and owner of Sensitive Dog, thoughtful guidance for you and your dog. If your dog needs basic obedience training, a behavior evaluation, or food consultation, I can help you. Call me at 206-372-7399 or visit my website, www.sensitivedog.com. I teach group obedience classes, in-home lessons, and evaluations, and a two-week intensive training program called Higher Education. Again, I'm Julie Forbes, Seattle's dog behavior training and nutrition specialist www.sensitivedog.com. Hi, I'm Pat Pauly. Tune into my show, Get Active, each Tuesday at 12 noon on Alternative Talk 1150. Each week, we invite a guest to talk about one of the wonderful activities in the Puget Sound region, ones that you may want to participate in. We'll focus on how adult beginners can comfortably get into all of these activities. You'll learn a lot about how you can get active. Be sure to listen. That's Get Active with me, Pat Pauly, at 12 noon each Tuesday on Alternative Talk 1150. Hi, I'm Martha Childress with the Natural Choice Network. Join us every Tuesday at 12.30 p.m. right here on Alternative Talk 1150. Each week, we invite leaders from our sustainable community to share their unique visions and valuable insights. You'll learn great tools to make your life greener, healthier, and more sustainable for generations to come. Thank you for making the natural choice. That's the Natural Choice Network every Tuesday at 12.30 p.m. Please join us. Natural Pet Pantry is Seattle's original source for wholesome dog and cat meals, offering eight different proteins to accommodate your pet's dietary needs. Made locally using all U.S. sourced ingredients, their freshly ground stews, raw or cooked, can be purchased from their Burien shop, most independent pet supply stores, or delivered right to your home. Natural Pet Pantry will even work with your vet to custom blend a prescription diet for your pet's unique needs. Go to naturalpetpantry.com for more information. Natural Pet Pantry. It just makes sense. Hi, this is Craig Walker, owner and lead technician at Coho Computer in Issaquah. Tune in Saturdays at noon right after Manson Mitchell for Tech Talk with Craig. We'll touch on the latest tech news, interview special guests, and take your calls. Tech Talk with Craig, Saturdays from noon to one, right here on Alternative Talk 1150. Hey Seattle, this is Julie Forbes. When I got engaged a couple of years ago, one of the first things my fiancé said about our wedding was, we need a wedding planner. I thought to myself, what do we need a wedding planner for? We hired Jenny Harding and New Chapter Weddings, and I now know there is no way we could have done it without her. If you are planning a wedding or corporate event, do yourself a favor and hire New Chapter Wedding and Event Planning. They did an amazing job for us, and they will for you. Find them online at newchapterweddings.com. Going against the grain has never been so much fun. Alternative Talk, 1150 AM.
Welcome back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. And we are back now with Chris Lorkowski, who is the creator of a bin, a toy bin called The Tidy Dog. Chris, welcome to The Dog Show. Hello. So you sent me an email telling me about your um, invention here. And um, it's this, and it looks like you have a Cavalier King Charles Spaniel. Is that right? Uh, Yes, I do. Her name is Evie. Evie? Evie, yeah. E-V-I-E. Excellent. And how old is she? Uh, She's just over a year and a half now. Nice. And is this your first dog? This is my first dog. All right. Now, did she inspire you to sort of think along, you know, in the realm of dog products as far as your, you know, I mean, have you, are you an inventor in general? Is this the first thing that you've created? Uh, no, I, um, I'm an engineer, so I'm, okay. I'm always uh, thinking about always things Always like inventing. <laughs> I am, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So, you know, we, we got Evie about a year and a half ago, and, um, you know, being an, being an excited uh, new dog parent, I wanted to teach her all kinds of tricks and things like that. So I started off with the basics, like sit and stay and, and roll over, and she picked them up real quick. Um, and so I started training her to, to pick up her toys because I thought that'd be, you know, something a fun and useful uh, trick for her to do. And so, you know, at the same time, I had been um, uh, Christmas shopping, and I was on Brookstone, and I found this this desktop candy dispenser, and it's, it's like one of those uh, hand-motion soap dispensers. So you, you stick your hand under it, and it detects it's there, and, and it spits out the soap. But instead, this dispensed candy or, or nuts or whatever you put in it. And so I was thinking to myself, you know, I bet I could pull the motion sensor out of that, take it apart, and then put dog kibble in it and then put the motion sensor in her toy bin so that when she put her toy away, you know, I didn't have to give her the treat. Because when I was training her, um, you know, she'd, she'd pick up the toy, drop it in the bin, and then she'd sit there and wait for me to give her a treat every time. Right. And I was thinking, you know, it would be great if, uh, you know, if I could set this up and then I could tell her, hey, you know, at the end of the day, pick up your toys, and uh, she would do it all herself. Uh-huh. And so, so you made it. prototype. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was the first of uh, about five or six prototypes, uh, and now we're on Kickstarter. Hmm. And what is Kickstarter? So Kickstarter is a, a crowdfunding website. It's, it's essentially a website um, to collect pre-orders. So you say, you know, I want to build this product, um, but tooling costs so much money. So right. if I can get a thousand people to commit to say, yeah, this looks like a cool product. I want one. You know, you put a prototype up there. Uh, then you know you can cover your tooling costs with those pre-orders, mm-hmm. and so that you, you can go ahead and and uh, launch the product. Cool. So how would people go if they go to, I posted a link to this on our Facebook page, um, and I will do so also on our website after the show when I archive the show, but can people just go to kickstarter.com and then like search for the tidy dog and find you that way? Exactly. Okay. Yep. So let me ask you this, because I thought, I just appreciated your thought about, you know, the training aspect to it and that it's something where you're, you know, where you're sort of engaging with the dog and, you know, acknowledging that the dogs do think and are aware and all that stuff. So kind of a cute idea and a smart idea, too. But do the dogs just figure out that they can, like, you know, paw at the bin or nose the bin and just get it to dispense treats until it's empty? You know, that's that's a great question because, you know, you know, a lot of people say, you know, my my dog is is very smart. They're going to figure this out very quickly. And so we've built in some sort of uh, some features into the software to, to prevent that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one is, you know, if your dog just decides to hop in the bin and take a seat in there, um, 
there, there are very, very small vibrations from the dog just sitting there, just breathing. It's creating vibrations. And so the weight sensor in the bin can detect that. So it's not going to dispense a treat unless it's perfectly still. So if your dog tries to push down on the bin with his nose or his paw or just sit in it, it's not going to dispense a treat. Mm. The second thing we've done is, you know, if your dog says, okay, well, what if I just take the toy in and out of the bin and in and out and in and out right. and dispense treats, right? Yeah. So, so the second thing we've done is if, if your dog removes the toy from the bin, a timer for 30 seconds starts. Yeah. So the dog can either go play with the toy or if it thinks, all right, I'm going to trick the bin, it throws it back in. No treat is dispensed if it puts the toy back in within the 30 seconds. But then the timer is canceled. So if your dog is good and they're, they're just picking up toys one after another after another and putting them in the bin, uh, you know, they'll get rewarded, rewarded each time. Okay. Assuming it takes more than 30 seconds each time. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. So what, yeah. So if, if, if your dog's just cleaning up and they just put, they put one bit, uh, toy in and then, you know, say five seconds later, say they're real fast. They put another toy in. They'll get rewarded for both of those. They will. But then if they if they take one out, then the timer starts. Oh. The timer they, starts if they take one out. Exactly. Okay. And then it also but, won't dispense if there's like a weird sort of pressure. So it can sort of tell the difference between the pressure of the toy being dropped in the bin versus like a paw or a nose or something like that. Exactly, because if a toy is dropped in the bin, it's it's perfectly still. But if there's a paw pushing down, it's going to be very, very. Uh, there will be very, very small vibrations that the uh, the load cells will be able to to pick up. Well, I'm going to be honest, Chris. I underestimated you. I was, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you know, well, I thought this was a great idea, and I, like I said, uh-huh. I I appreciated your attention to the training aspect. And I just think it's great when people engage their dogs in that way in general, because it just doesn't happen enough. But right. um, really cool to hear about, you know, these things that you've taken into consideration and that we have the the technology to sort of like compensate so that it actually is smarter than the dog and right. uh, yeah. that they can't take advantage of it. Very interesting. So have you practiced this? You said that you've gone through five, I think, prototypes have you had the chance to, you know, practice this on lots of different types of dogs, or has it been Evie exclusively? Uh, she has been the main uh, product tester. Yeah. Um, but our friends' dogs, you know, my friends were really uh, one of my biggest inspirations to try and, you know, uh, take this outside of my home and make it a product and make it available for everyone. Because, uh, you know, I, I developed it, and I had the first prototype, and I had been telling some of my friends about it, and they said, you know, that's pretty cool. And they said, you know, I think I'd get my dog to do that. They go, can, can you build me one? Uh-huh. And so, you know, one or two people would ask me. I was like, oh, yeah, sure. And then I had four or five and then up to ten people, and I'm like, you know, wait a second. I can't just build, you know, hand-build all these prototypes. So I was thinking, you know, if a lot of people want it, it you know, I'll build them one. So, you know, Evie, since we only have very few prototypes, Evie is, is uh, certainly spent the most time with it, mm-hmm. um, but you know their dogs pick it up. the The, the steps to uh, training your dog to pick up their toys uh, is actually they're actually pretty simple. So it's, mm-hmm. just, it's really three parts. Mm-hmm. Um, you have them pick up the toy. So that's the first step. So you, you train them, you know, practice them picking up the toy uh, just off of the floor, and then you say "come," which is you know most dogs know how to come, and then you know get their 
their mouth over the bin, and then you teach them to say, uh, or you teach them drop. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after you get those three steps down, um, it's it's not much more practice before the dog sort of puts it all together and goes, oh, the toy has to go in the bin, and that's how I get the treat. Mm-hmm. And does the product come with like a little training manual to to outline the steps for people as far as how to train it? Uh, yes, that is something, uh, you know, it's a Kickstarter project, so everything's a, a work in progress right, right. now, but uh, we absolutely plan on doing that as well as some training videos. Nice. Um, but there are also some uh, some great training videos uh, online right now. Um, we've posted them to our Twitter, uh-huh. um, and we'll be sending them out in our, you call them backer updates. So if you back us on Kickstarter, um, we'll provide you some more information on how to get your dog trained to be a tidy dog. That's so cute. And then soon the um, human child industry will be banging down your door for a <laughs> bin that dispenses like M&Ms or something for the kids to put yeah. their toys away. It's funny how many people I request that. That may have to be our uh, next project. <laughs> and then that gets into a conversation about they should just do it and not need a reward for it. But <laughs> Well, that's so so cool. So it's called The Tidy Dog. And uh-huh. it's it's right now on Kickstarter, and uh, like I said, there's a link to it directly from our Facebook page. You guys have a Facebook page too, I assume. We do. Okay. Facebook.com forward slash the tidy dog. Okay, and I'll post a link to that as well on our Facebook page, which is the Dog Show with Julie Forbes, and also on our home page, our website, which is dogradioshow.com, um, or you can also just go to Kickstarter.com and search for The Tidy Dog if you would like to uh, support Chris and his efforts and order pre-order. Um, that's what it is, yeah, that their people are basically pre-ordering? Exactly, it is okay. pre-ordering. Um, and in addition to that, we have our website up as well, thetidydog.com. Great. Um, and you can go there, and we actually have some additional uh, animations and some more uh, renderings of what the final product is going to look like. Mm-hmm. Um, so it gives you a little bit more information than what's just on the Kickstarter page. So, you know, you can start out there and there's a link to the Kickstarter page or you can go either way. Great. And how much time is left in your Kickstarter campaign? How much, you know, how soon do people need to get on there and do it to um, help you? Uh, yes, we only have 19 days left. Okay. And so the way Kickstarter works is if we don't meet our goal, um, we haven't. Then we. That means we haven't received enough pre-orders to cover all our costs. Okay. Um, so at that point, you know, the product may not actually come to life. So mm. if you're interested in, in getting one and and uh, seeing the product come to life, make sure you back us and then and then tell your friends to make sure we uh, we meet our goal. Cool. Yeah. Get on it. 19 days from now, it is uh, the 19th today. So 19 days from the 19th here. Um, well. Best of luck to you, and thanks so much for reaching out. And uh, this interview will be archived on both our website, and it'll also go to iTunes as a free podcast, so it'll get out to a national and international audience as well. So hopefully we help you in your efforts. Great. Yeah, thanks so much, Julie. All right, good. Good luck. We're going to be back in just a few minutes with the last segment of The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. You're listening to Alternative Talk AM 1150.
Natural Pet Pantry is Seattle's original source for wholesome dog and cat meals, offering eight different proteins to accommodate your pet's dietary needs. Made locally using all U.S. sourced ingredients, their freshly ground stews, raw or cooked, can be purchased from their Burien shop, most independent pet supply stores, or delivered right to your home. Natural Pet Pantry will even work with your vet to custom blend a prescription diet for your pet's unique needs. Go to naturalpetpantry.com for more information. Natural Pet Pantry. It just makes sense. This is Martha Norwalk. Every Sunday morning, beginning at 9 a.m., thanks in part to the Northwest School of Animal Massage, we cover the world of animals. This week, March 16th, always entertaining Kevin McDonald and gifted medium and animal intuitive Kim Miller will host the show for me. They'll have open phone lines throughout the show. Kim can help you connect with your animal or human loved ones on this side or the other. She can also tell you why your animal friend does stuff and what to do to change unwanted behavior or illness. So give her a call on Martha Norwalk's Animal World Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to noon, right here on Alternative Talk, AM 1150. Hey, Seattle, this is Julie Forbes. When I got engaged a couple of years ago, one of the first things my fiancé said about our wedding was, we need a wedding planner. I thought to myself, what do we need a wedding planner for? We hired Jenny Harding and New Chapter Weddings, and I now know there is no way we could have done it without her. If you are planning a wedding or corporate event, do yourself a favor and hire New Chapter Wedding and Event Planning. They did an amazing job for us, and they will for you. Find them online at newchapterweddings.com. The search is over. You found the station that's not afraid to be different. Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. Welcome back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. And uh, in that last segment, that was Chris Lorkowski, who is an an engineer who uh, invented a toy bin where a very smart toy bin that uh, what you can basically train your dog to put their toys away and every time your dog puts their toy away it will dispense some treats and uh, he's I asked him some questions about it and if you missed that segment or any of our over 260 episodes you can find them archived on our website dogradioshow.com and also on iTunes as a free download, a uh, free audio podcast. Just search for The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. And be sure to find us on Facebook as well. We have fun um, in between our live shows every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Uh, we have fun in between those shows um, posting all sorts of stuff. And there's one thing that I wanted to mention today. There's this really, really cool video that I posted on our Facebook page. Um, it's this um, nicely... It's a video of a German shepherd drinking water, and it's um, drinking water out of this big sort of clear uh, rectangular bin of water. It's very clear, and uh, it's really beautifully shot. And it's uh, they kind of zoom in and do like a slow motion of the dog's tongue um, while he drinks, and you get to see how that works. And for those of you who don't know that um, the dog's tongue actually curls backwards and makes a cup and they essentially scoop the water up into their mouth and that's how they drink when they're licking. Um, it's actually kind of scooping and uh, it's so cool to watch and I'm just like mesmerized by this video 
um, such a simple thing, but it's just so cool and it's a beautiful dog and um, it's really cool to see. So that is on our Facebook page. I also posted a picture of um, Judy and Sophie, who I mentioned earlier in the show, the two dogs who are um, the dogs of one of my clients who has Alzheimer's um, that I'm working with right now. Um, early stage Alzheimer's um, and the kind of unique challenges to that. I talked about that at the beginning of the show. There's a picture of um, Judy the Whippet and Sophie the Pug um, taking in the spring air in front of a blooming azalea. And then my boy next there, my um, yellow lab covered in mud because it's another sign of spring. The, The beautiful flowers and the wet ground. So there he is, happy as can be. Uh, covered in mud because he was running around and it was wet. Um, So yeah, check out our Facebook page. Um, One of the things too that, uh, speaking of my lab, JJ, he's just turned two. And I have, um, he has definitely, um, you know, dogs hit adulthood at right around two years of age is sort of the, the, the time where, they say that's when dogs hit adulthood is about two. Um, some would argue labs, it's more like three. <laughs> I can see that. He's a little immature. But, you know, he started to really, um, one of the things that I've seen during the shift, which I almost happened like on the day of his birthday, was that he started, he would never correct other dogs. Like he, dogs would just walk all over him. He's too good natured, like to a fault. I'd be like, JJ, just tell them to knock it off or they're going to keep coming at you. And he just wouldn't. Wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't. And then right around two years of age, he started, he kind of found his voice and he started growling a little bit or, you know, just communicating like a dog to other dogs, you know, knock it off or whatever. And but the thing, and I'm like, that a boy, you know, it's about time. Well, he's now, you know, for the first time after two years of cutting his nails, he's trying it on me. And I'm like, really? Now, he's not growling and snapping at me, but he's making noise at me, letting me know that he doesn't like it and making noise at me in a way that's definitely got my attention. Like, okay, this is something that I'm going to need to focus on and work through with him. And so what I'm going to do is just kind of come in at it just from a positive association standpoint. I'm not looking for a fight, and I'd like to try to resolve this without, you know, having to put him in his place and to just be like, listen, you get to deal with this, but this is cool, and, you know, to try to change his mind about having his nails cut and, you know, make him do it, but also just try to have it be fun and good job and, you know, reward him and just, you know, try to have it be as positive as possible, but... It's like, oh, man, careful what you wish for, because now he's like, hey, now I can tell you off when you try to cut my nails. And I'm like, no, no, you can't. So he's created a little work for me at home, which um, I guess will be an opportunity for me to practice what I preach. But, you know, what it makes me appreciative of is how important relationship is in working through behavioral challenges. I mean, this to me is a fairly minor one, but if he was especially I think if he was a different dog because I just don't think that he would ever like bite me or anything like ever but 
I mean, this could get worse for sure, just within him. Um, but if he was a different dog that started this behavior, how this can really snowball. And this is how people end up with dogs that really will snarl and snap and even bite when you try to cut their nails because all of a sudden they start, you know, making noise at you. And then you're like, oh, I don't know what to do with that. So you just stop. And then that teaches the dog that what they did works. And so they do it again next time and again and again. And then if you try to escalate, they just escalate the correction. So it's important for him to learn that his his efforts will not work. Um, you know, thanks for trying, but that's not going to work with me. Um, staying calm through it and kind of focusing on, okay, let's do some, let's try to do some positive association with him to just try to get him out of it easily without me having to, you know, pin him down or not like alpha role or anything like that, which I don't even agree with in the first place, but like actually just make him do it. Um and it's just funny because I'm like, oh, my gosh, really? Really you're doing this right now? But anyway, it's funny. So two years of age, heads up. And a lot of people say that dogs are adult and they start taking things more seriously and especially like territorial stuff, pack dynamic stuff. You know, they're adults now, so they start taking their position more seriously. And in JJ's case, he's found his voice and he's trying it out on Mama. So I don't know, it's a good opportunity. Um, you know, I was thinking about, I've talked about this before and I still don't dare share this, although it would make for a great show to have a whole bunch of people on who would be willing to share their dog voice. You know, you know what I'm talking about, the voice that you use to talk to your dog or to talk for your dog, (laughs) you know, like as if I wasn't sure which one you meant there. (laughs) You're speaking for the dog versus talking to the dog, two different voices, Um, but we, um, and also something that I've done for years, and I think a lot of people do also, is insert the dog's name into songs. So we, um, we've been doing that with that new song, Happy by Pharrell, which I enjoy. And we've been, um, (laughs) inserting Levi's name, one of his names, which is Wowie. Cause I'm Wowie. And then Levi, um, his voice if we were speaking for him, um, he he says his L's like Y's. So Kiappa Young. And, uh, you know, it's funny. We sing it like every day. And it I know that I'm not the only one because um, I've heard clients kind of slip up and speak in their dog voice. And it's like this funny phenomenon that's a really like intimate part of a relationship with a dog, but that that sort of dog voice or that dog personality that we just make up. And every dog has a different one. All the dogs that I've had over the years, they have different ones, and it's not just a universal dog voice. It's specific to the individual. The question is, do the dogs find it annoying (laughs) or do they think it's endearing? Sometimes, (laughs) you know, it's funny you say that because I've annoyed myself. And I'm like, oh, man. Or like almost, you know. Eric, do you like talk... Oh, you, yeah. Yeah, of you course. do. Who's a good boy? Yeah. You can't help but you who's can. a good girl? Who's a good Who's a good beagle? You just, yeah. It just comes over you. I don't know why, but it does. I know. I know. There's <laughs> nothing wrong with it either. And nothing how many wrong times a day can an animal answer that question <laughs> of who's a good boy? We sing songs Apparently a lot to the dogs. 
Yeah, and they, I don't know. And they then the dogs recognize the songs that we're addressing them, and then they'll come over and, you know, oh, you're, like, talking about me right now. but <laughs> You're singing my song. Yeah, exactly. Just a kind of funny thing. So you're not the only one out there if you're listening and you do this. I think everyone knows that. But You right. are not alone. <laughs> yeah, right. right. <laughs> All right, we'll be back uh, next Wednesday from 2 to 3 p.m. Thanks for listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes.